Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and I am with Margaret Spangler. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Hey, Pamela, thank you for having me. Uh, Today, we're going to be covering critical race theory, which we had promised a few times in our past episode, so we're happy to bring that to everyone today. So let's get right into it. Um, There's a lot to discuss and a lot to cover. So excited to do this topic because I know it's a a great debate and divide in our country right now. So um, can you share with us, Maggie, or Margaret, um, what you would kind of tell us more about the history, I guess, the history of critical race theory, where does it come from? Well, it has its roots. Um, Honestly, historically, legally, in Marxism, and it basically, Karl Marx created this entire way of thinking and philosophy that was fully embraced by a lot of individuals at the time because many were looking for this quote-unquote utopia where people could leave wherever they were at and live in an area that everybody got along, everybody was on equal standing, equal footing, and everybody worked for the common good of everybody and everybody shared everything that they had and if they didn't have that or couldn't obtain that then they would do what was called um i had i lost it uh like worker riots or uh Oh, dang it. Strikes or like, are they going? Yeah, they would, um, yeah, they would have, (laughs) excuse me. Uh, I have it and I lost it. Yeah, because they would go on these strikes, these worker strikes that would attack the industry's work and then it would morph into this worker revolution. And it started with good ideals, but it all pretty much 
ended badly, no matter what example you'll look at from the late 1800s into the early 1900s, what any socialist government was created because you had, well, let's take Russia, for example, you had the, uh, the You're breaking up a bit, we can't hear you. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, if your phone's on speaker, you may want to take that off. That's a problem with mine that happens. I don't know if that's the case. Sometimes it does that. For me. I... Okay. You sound like you're in a tunnel. Bear with us, everyone. Because I thought that CRT, now I mean, socialism and that kind of stuff and Marxism, that's been around for a very, very long time, you, you know, centuries. So, or at least the ideas that morphed into those things. But critical race theory, I thought it started in the 1970s, that they started calling it that. Was it some called something else before the 1970s or was it just considered Marxism? Well, or socialism. I don't, I don't know. That's actually, I was looking into that and it's what we now know as critical race theory wasn't just created by one person, one individual. Um, or one race, you mean? Well, there was one individual named. Uh, Oh, Derek Bell. He was an attorney okay. for the NAACP back in the 60s, early 60s. And he did a lot with the civil rights movement and uh, and based off of what he encountered and actually was involved with and realized that all of these quote unquote legal wins that they won, these legal battles that they won were actually not fulfilling and creating the end results that they were wanting for equality for blacks. So he pretty much dedicated the second half of his life towards creating this um, philosophy. <clears throat> but then there's another couple, Richard Delgado and uh, his wife, Jean Stefanik, who are also credited with critical race theory and creating it uh, again back in the 60s, 70s, and back and even into the 80s. And even then it was pretty much only found on college campuses where certain professors like Richard Delgado and his wife would teach it. Hmm. Okay. So you said it started off good. 
Yes. And then what, what in your opinion made it not good or, or what happened that it became something else than what its original thought was or? Um, that's a good question because I've been trying to research myself, especially because I'm kind of curious as to why Richard Delgado and his wife would, Jean Stefanik would create this. And mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure what their intentions were. And um, I think part of it was to bring awareness to what, especially American history, what was occurring within the civil rights movement and all mm -hmm. the uh, injustices that were occurring at that time to light and were still occurring even afterwards. So that in itself is good, but then I don't know, it's like somewhere, somewhere along the line, the original intent was lost and it's morphed into something else is what I'm getting so far of what I've read. And that's what I don't care for. Right. So, I mean, I had looked up the, the definition of it and I found a lot of different sources. I, I chose the one that's from Britannica because for obvious reasons, it's a fact-based and I don't know if they have any kind of political backing or anything. I, I'm not aware of it if they are, but the definition on Britannica is that uh, critical race theory is an intellectual and social movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that race is not a natural biologically grounded feature of physically distinct subgroups of humans be, human beings but a a socially constructed culturally invented category that it is used to oppress and exploit people of color critical race theorists hold that racism is inherent in the law and legal institutions of the united states insofar as they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially African Americans. Critical race theorists are generally de dedicated to applying their understanding of the institutional or structural, structural nature of racism to the concrete, if distant, goal of eliminating all race-based and other unjust hierarchies. So what mm -hmm. do you think of that definition? Well, that's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. And it's so very, the problem uh, that sorry, go ahead. And it's very uh layered and full of double meanings. You really have to unpack unpack it. Yeah, so let's do that. So let's say, well, let's look at the first part of it. Okay, it's an intellectual and social movement. And the premise that race is not natural. Biolog biologically grounded feature, okay, 
a physically distinct subgroups of humans being, but a socially constructed. So race is not natural. Okay, so th- this was something that I actually seen on a, a medical form I was recently filling out. Maggie probably knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I forgot to mention this. We were discussing it earlier, but it actually had on my, on this, to maybe see a new doctor, it wanted my heritage. What was the word? Hold on. Let me, let me see. And it wanted my race separate. So hold, hold on a second. I kind of found that interesting. I was like, wait a second. Aren't those two the same thing? And then we're seeing it here. Hold on. I got to look this up. I think the audience would be interested in this. They may even see it on their own medical forms. Um, yeah, they want my ethnicity and my race. Two separate lines, two separate things. Now, Maggie and I... Hmm? I also Sorry. saw that on um, last year when I was helping out on the 2020 census. I had to go oh, around okay. and ask every single individual what their ethnicity was and what their race was. I cannot tell you how many people looked at me and they're, they gave me this like dumb, stupid look, like not them, but hey, you're dumb yeah. and you're stupid. Why are you asking me that question? And so to you, it's the same thing, correct? Because it is to me. Yeah, because me they, you, they would have down like Caucasian or black or uh, Latino. Well, then for let's say for Latino, for the ethnicity, they would want to broke it down even further. Are, were you um, Mexican? Were you um, from you know, Caribbean? Were you from Puerto Rico? Were you... Uh, um, gotcha. Yeah, okay. d- different vari- variations. And half of these people are looking at me like, I have no idea. Yeah, and that's a problem. Uh, let, let's discuss that a little bit because Maggie and I are both, um, and I call her Maggie, but um, we're we're both genealogists in our very little spare time that we have. But but we're also both lovers of history, and Maggie knows her history very well, and I know it very well as well. But we're both we have strengths in different ways in both of those areas. So there's things that I've maybe researched a little more and then there's things Maggie's researched a a little more so together I think we make a pretty powerful team when it comes to history and genealogy but to 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 us we're also Christian so to us all men were created and and that's not men it's men and women okay all God created all and he created them, as the Bible says, and they were perfect. All, all races, or all people of ethnicity, are perfect in God's eyes. He created them as he wanted them. And there should be, no one should be treated differently or less than because of their ethnicity. Now, people can dishonor their their family. They can dishonor themselves and they can be um, considered a person that's not 
a good person by their own actions. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone's ethnical background and race. And us, it's the same thing. Now, I understand some people that follow critical race theory, they don't understand this because they haven't studied true history and genealogy like we have. Um, so, and with that being said, if you look at us, we're, we're quite different. I mean, I'm, well, I, there's no white people. I mean, when you look at people, I mean, you may find someone that's whiter in color than somebody else, but you can't tell by looking at somebody their ethnicity either. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's been people even on, um, like that show with, um, what's his name? Henry Louis Gates. Is that right? Or, um, does that genealogy show? Uh, I'm not sure um, what his name is. Yeah. Well, he's had white actresses on that are very white in the sense of what people would consider white. And they had more African American in them than somebody that's considered black that was on the previous episode, you know, and they had no idea or, or it might've been rumored in their family. You cannot look at somebody and say you're white or a non-white, or you can't say you're just black or you're just Asian because you can't see someone's ethnicity completely by looking at them. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, exactly. I mean, prime example of this would be, um, oh, it was a couple of years ago, there was a set of twins, girls that were born, and they had two, you know, parents from two different races. One was Caucasian, one was African-American, Black, whatever you want to call it. And one girl came out as white as her mother and the other one came out looking like her father Mm -hmm. and they were identical twins Mm -hmm. it just happened that their skin color was completely different from each other but you can't if you didn't know that they were twins you would have no idea that's my point in bringing this up as an example so if you go around and you say people are racist because of the color of their skin, is that not in and of itself racist also? Yes, I would think so. I mean, to me it is. I mean, yeah, people that are going around and saying this is showing their ignorance of history, for one, and then yeah. their, their own ignorance of their own family identity as well. Because unless you've studied it, you don't know. And if you did study it, I mean, I don't know anybody that's a genealogist that understands their ethnicity or took a DNA test that would even want to be part of something like this because they know it's not real. It's a myth. Yeah. It's, a, it's an idea from a human being. A human being. Okay, think about that. Is there a... a Let's look at it like this. If you're going to say, well, this person came up with this, so it's it's a theory. They're calling it a theory, right? So mm-hmm. they're not even calling it a fact, right? It's just a theory of somebody. There's theories from all kinds of people. That doesn't make them right or wrong or better than somebody else. But 
they're getting these young kids involved in this and they think they want to be part of change. Everybody that you meet, if, if they're a good person, they, they don't enjoy hurting people. They want to make a difference. They want to be important. They want to feel important. They want to feel loved. They want to have an identity. But the compulsory schools are stealing that from these children. And if they're in university, it's the same thing. I mean, like uh, Elon Musk said recently, if a, if a child can get, you know, $100,000 to go to college, but they can't get a $10,000 loan to start a business, doesn't that tell you the truth of reality of what's really happening? Come on. I mean, wake up, people. So, um, a particular, yeah. uh, oh, this would have been maybe a year or so ago. And mm-hmm. I was having a similar conversation with my son. And uh, it was when we had learned a bunch of stuff about our genealogy, because I did the DNA and stuff like that, just to see from a genealogical standpoint if it confirmed what I was already learning. And we yeah. found something. My husband was that was a complete shock and surprise. Mine mm-hmm. just confirmed what we already knew. But the thing well, not was, completely though. Yes. Because you you both Maggie's a redhead, a flaming uh, redhead, but they both her and her husband have go ahead say it i have three percent african in me and so does my husband yep and you can't tell by looking at either one your husband looks like a strong german man he looks german right so my (laughs) um my son or my husband he has a little bit more from a different area than i do so my son he jokingly looked at me and he goes well with all the quote unquote crap that's going around with uh how people are labeling themselves and taking advantage of it to help them with this newfound knowledge that I have about myself does that mean I can go and apply for college and get loans for being African-American and I'm like (laughs) no Tyler you're not going to do that <laughs> well, I think it would have to be a stronger percent. I don't know what the percent is, but I know it and is there, and, for right. And there, American there is Indian. that. Yeah, and there is that, but it's just the fact that it was sarcasm, and it's because yes, so understand. many people are making such a big deal out of it, and and then and some taking advantage of it, like certain politicians and trying to win favor with the public or you know have themselves perceived a certain way to win to me that shows their hand yeah because it shows their ignorance and their prejudice and it's not right and again why do you have to run on something like that whatever happened to running on your beliefs your foundations but then again you got to do that crap when you don't have any right well both political parties are so corrupt i mean there's so much corruption with politicians it's it's appalling it'd be hard to find 
one, in my opinion, that isn't corrupt. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping and, and praying that there are some, but I certainly would never put my name behind anybody at all because, again, you're dealing with a man and your identity, who you are and what you stand for should mean more to you. And you should be very careful who you put your name with because people will always let you down. I mean, and people do things and they could put on certain faces and then show you another face when they get what they want. So uh, you have to be really careful about stuff like that. I'm going to need to take a quick commercial break. It will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Pamela Clark, and I'm with Margaret Spangler, and we're discussing critical race theory. So before the commercial break, we were kind of breaking down the different parts of what they say critical race theory is, and we were talking about ethnicity and race and the differences between those and, and agreeing that there was none in our opinion. But now the question, I mean, I know what I think and believe, but it uh, is there inequalities between people in your opinion different opportunities or do you know of any that um examples of inequalities between between people and if so what would those be is it race is it because of their race or is it because of something else? Are you talking, are you wanting to me, wanting me to answer historically yeah. or are you wanting me to answer currently right now off of what I personally know? Well, since we're using history quite a bit to prove our points today, I would think both. So go for it. Go, let's do the historical aspect and then let's do modern day differences that you personally have seen and experienced okay and or but, learned learned about yeah okay um what the reason why i ask that is because what i example i'm going to use is a combination of the two because okay. we were discussing genealogy and my family immigrated here to the united states of america um because of for mainly uh, two reasons, um, religious persecution and racial persecution. And they couldn't, racial persecution because of being Scottish or Irish and because of that not being able to find work, not being able to feed and take care of their families. So they came to America, land of opportunity to be able to work and provide and change their lives for the better through hard work 
and um, living their life the way they wanted to in freedom. Religious persecution mm -hmm. because of, again, uh, what religion they had. And fleeing the country for their lives and coming to America because they could worship as they freely as they chose. And there were many times in my grandparents' lives, once they got here, that they had trouble finding work because ethnically who they were. And from today's perspective, oh, well, you're privileged because you're white. Really, tell that to my grandparents. Tell that to my great-grandparents. Yeah, because I don't know if a lot of people realize this. I, I actually didn't know about it till recently when I was looking at my husband's family. One of his grandmothers was Irish, and her family came from um, County Cork, Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that when you, you're, if you were born a girl in Ireland, you were looked at really at the bottom of the the pole of of I mean they couldn't hold jobs even in America when they migrated here to America they couldn't even hold a job they were lucky to get housekeeping or they weren't even good enough compared to be good enough to babysit for someone's children they were looked down upon so much mm -hmm. as Irish women now mm -hmm. today there is no trace of that left. I mean, unless I would have not, if I wouldn't have seen that, you know, historically, I wouldn't have known. And knowing her, I can't even imagine her ancestors being treated that way because, I mean, she was a beautiful, beautiful girl um, when she was younger from the pictures I saw. She's very smart, super kind, um, very compassionate towards others always wanting to help people very you know open hand open heart and to think that her ancestors would have been treated like that and there was a joke in the family that said that her families were was kicked out of Ireland for her thievery and she always used to say that well when I looked into it there was no nothing nothing I mean I had looked at it, and there was never a bad word about her family in Ireland. Uh, some of them migrated to Scotland and other places. They were always very respected. They did deal with horses, but they never stole any. But that was the family lore. Instead of saying we were treated as women, we had no prospects, no future. We couldn't even get jobs in our own countries. We couldn't you know, we were looked down upon. And even when they came to America, still that thought was there because it was so ingrained and embedded. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That it, it still went on for, I don't know how many years, but it has been washed away with time. So do you find that too? Do you find that the inequalities that your ancestors had have been washed away with time as well? to a point but okay. you have that mindset 
that is still there. That's part of the downtrodden or the oppressed or the poor. And that mindset is much harder to overcome and not just erase, but replace than anything else. And because of that, there you will see current modern day examples of individuals who do get out in from that demographic, from that mindset, from the the poverty, um, whether it's the coal fields or the ghettos, you have this mindset that has been passed on that becomes so ingrained and it becomes part of your identity actually your personality and Mm -hmm. me personally i believe that is one of the major contributors to why it's still continuing to this day not because of Yes, government does play a part, but government is ran by people. Yep. So ultimately, it comes down to people and, now the your, inequ- and your choices. Yeah. Yeah. Because and how bad do you want out of it? How, yeah. How bad do you want the change to happen in your family? Are, are you going to set idle? Are you going to just say, well, well, there, there's really nothing, really nothing that can be done. Um, now, see, now I think the inequalities, I think there are inequalities, but not yes. in race necessarily. I, I personally have witnessed, you know, inequalities educationally wise where generation, I mean, ge- and I'm not just saying the generation before I'm talking up. There was one student we had that was an adult, and he wanted to learn how to read. And he had told me that at least three generations on his paternal side could not read at all. Mm-hmm. And that was right around the time that the compulsory school system went into effect in his family. And compulsory school and I've seen somebody else say this recently too and it's what I felt for a long time but the compulsory school system was the first attack a continuous attack on our constitution would you agree with that statement yes yeah because um When you look at the foundation of our country, Mm -hmm. so so many of them are founding fathers. These men were educated at home and they learned how to read by both parents. Um, They were taught, some would go on to um, further their education, usually abroad, but most of them were uh, taught at home and they were taught um, your, your critical uh, classical 
education, your Greek, your Latin, along with multiple other languages, not just reading, but writing. They also did the board, the math and the science. And the, the main thing that I notice about all these gentlemen and even, oh, oh shoot, uh, Adams, Abigail Adams, she herself was highly educated. Good Lord, she ran their own farm. She raised their kids. She homeschooled them along with writing letters back and forth between her and her husband and helping uh, being used by him as a sounding board. So she herself was highly educated. And the thing that sticks out to me the most is that these individuals had this thirst and this desire to learn, this curiosity to learn, and they were always asking questions. And if they couldn't yeah. find the answer, then they would, uh, you know, if somebody couldn't tell them, then they would do experiments. They would figure it out themselves. Look at Benjamin Franklin for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. and, and all the experiments he did. So compulsory school, in a, a way, started the process of dampening that curiosity and asking questions and asking why and saying, okay, well, this is how it is. This is what you're going to memorization by rote. And let's just <laughs> kill the entire desire to learn. Mm -hmm. Which also created gaps because not everybody can learn the same way. And they teach yes. everybody the exact same way. And if you're in a special eds class, they just don't have any hope for you at all. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they just kind of give up. They label you and they don't really try. You know, I've talked to people from third world countries and I question them about what schools they do have. And some of them do pretty well for themselves that, I mean, just because they're from a third world country doesn't mean they're less than, right? So right. I was talking to this one gentleman that he says, I had asked him, I said, well, what do you do with your special needs students? He said, every student is in the same class and we have helpers within the class, subs, I guess we'd call them here in America, that will go around and, and they'll help the um, special needs students a little more, but they don't separate them. In American schools, most of them, they do separate them, but then they don't give any challenges, you know, at all. So the inequalities that we've seen, or I see, it does have to do with income level and like poor communities and stuff like that. And it's mostly because they've had a poor education, even if they went all through school or if they went to high school and dropped out or whatever, it, it still goes back to the fact that they had a poor education. And that's what makes it, you know, an inequality. And the fact also, and this was told to me by someone that, um, well, he, he's a known person. He travels around and speaks. I'm not going to say his name. 
but he is a respected individual in the education world. He's all, he is for compulsory schooling and everything, but in his own community, he said, you know, he sees the inequality when it comes to the money spent on the schools, because he said less than 20 miles down the road, we have a lower income school. They get substantially less money than the school that, you know, is considered a higher level school that's not far from them they get far more money and and that is because of politicians and political agreements that have been made so that is something that men greedy men and women have kind of sold out these students and gave up on them to really help them and figure out what's happening so that is the inequality we see and and we see it among all nationalities and races we don't see it in more more race than another you know and more someone with um you know i'm trying to say the the ethnicity thing we um well the reason now, why will, so many yeah. the reason why so many of these inequalities that we see Mm-hmm. Uh, cross so many uh, ethnic backgrounds is because yeah mm-hmm. it's because that doesn't determine the nature of the individual the nature of the individual is determined by as Christians we believe in sin nature and our sin nature will always, you know, do we do good or do we do bad? Why are we doing what we do? What is the, the heart issue here? And mm-hmm. it doesn't, and see that doesn't look at what color your skin is. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter. So trying to make this about race is mute. But here's the thing, when the individuals that are putting together critical race theory do, are doing this, they're not coming from a Christian perspective because critical no, race theory not. has its roots in Marxism. And Marxism yes. was created by Karl Marx. Karl Marx did not believe in God. He was not agnostic. He was not atheist. He didn't, I don't even know if he even knew what he was but he did not believe in God. So if you don't believe in, a, in, in God and that God created the world and that there's a sin nature in men, then you have to come up with something else to replace that for why bad things happen. And that's where race comes in. And 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 that in and of itself is dangerous because that also splits people and we're seeing that right now in our own country and um and these inequalities that we have seen and yes there are inequalities i will agree with that and i've seen that myself i've experienced it myself but um Mm -hmm. but coming in and using critical race theory to try and take care of it, that, 
um, part yeah. of the reason why we have some of these inequalities is because of our very own government. And you're wanting mm -hmm. to take a theory and treat it and preach it like gospel, like it's an actually um, documented and proven hypothesis and as fact and turn it into another form of a government program to oversee all of the division of equity and social justice and diversity and inclusion and culturally responsive teaching? Are you not then thus creating another type of government program that's going to continue doing the exact same thing, but on those that you feel have done you injustice? So how is that actually improving the problem? Mm -hmm. Well, and also what you were saying about Karl Marx, um, and the people behind critical race theory, I mean, if there is no God to them, then of course it can't be a natural thing because to them, man was not created. He evolved from a monkey. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, doesn't that kind of give it away too a little bit there? I mean, because to them, there's no God, just like there is, you know, to us, God is very real, but to some people, it's very real to them that God isn't real. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, there's that as well. So when you're talking about critical race here, I know we've talked about this a little bit and we even hinted on an earlier show, um, is why it's happening and why it's happening now and what it has to do with the other thing we're seeing. Um, think about that for a minute. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll answer that question. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and I'm with Margaret Spangler, and we're discussing critical race theory. So what do you think to, uh, to my question that I had posed <clears throat> about why we're seeing it now and what is really behind it? Why is it important to some people right now? Well, it's everything that we have seen the last several years is all connected. Meaning we have seen common core implement. We have seen words um, being redefined. Um, our entire vocabulary changed. We have seen our history being destroyed and demolished and rewritten uh, um, for our country, the United States of America. We have mm -hmm. seen, uh, we have been forced by our government to isolate 
and look at each other in ways that we have never in the history of this country done so. And race has just exploded and critical race theory. All of these things are being done. It's like a, a multi-pronged assault. And this assault is being launched at the heart of America. And that heart is the identity of America. And if you can rewrite, and if you can, first you have to destroy. Then you have to rewrite. And then you have to re-educate the population on their cultural identity and their personal identity. And if you do that, then you can control them. And that's what this is all about. So, um, I know we, we talked a little bit about that in detail before mm -hmm. and I, I i was trying to remember how you kind of i know it'd be important for the audience uh, it'd be a way for them to kind of understand um like you you were saying that the he she the the new pronouns yeah to go with that um and now see i personally and i i guess i've just always been this way i always you know, try to listen when someone introduces themselves because I know what it's like to be called something that I don't want to be called. You know what I'm saying? So right. um, I try to pay attention to how someone introduces themselves and call them by the name, you know, that they want. So we're in a society that shortens names and not everybody's, you know, comfortable with that. But um people are in such a hurry they just don't care about how someone's introducing themselves and I work with a lot of different people from all over the world and the way that someone identifies themselves is very important when you're dealing with different cultures because for example and I can use one of our hosts as an example Olin Yen Tibet um, she does our shows on Fridays and she lives in Nigeria well, we've had a lot of volunteers like her that, and I always ask because I know now that you actually say their name the opposite. So even though her yes. name is only in Tibet, you say, I call her Tibet when I'm talking to her because that's what you do in her culture. Culture, It's, it's disrespectful to call her Olinyan even though that name was listed first. And when she's talking on the show, She'll say, this is Tibet Olinyan, or, you know, so it's very important how people say their names. And I always address people by their names. So for mm -hmm. me, I haven't had to worry too much about the pronoun issue because I call people by their names from the very right. start. And so, but I know you had talked about that a little bit and I hadn't even thought about that. But can you kind of tell the audience what you told me before about the pronoun and why why that is a contributing factor with CRT and what you're talking about now? Again, it goes back to 
identity, your personal identity and how you perceive yourself and how you want others to perceive you. And, and it's close to so if, if somebody, yeah, if someone could take away the he or she, you had said to me before, and you could correct me if I'm misphrasing this, but you had said, if you could take away someone's identity, not only their nationality or race or, or being disrespectful to another race just because of the color of their skin, but if you could also, um, and it even plays into the, the vaccine, the jab, because when you take what they're calling the vaccine, which is, is not a vaccine because it doesn't cure anything, um, they become something else. They become kind of like a bioweapon because they've altered their DNA of who they are when God created their family line, okay, who they are as a person. So if you can dismantle it even further and take the he and she out of it, then that's another layer of an attack. And you had said something else about a government being able to do something when that happened. Do you remember what you said about that? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you have if the government takes away your ability to state who you are, whether you're male or female, and they're like, no, you're not, you are it, you are they, then you are no longer a human being. And if you are considered no longer a human being, then you no longer have the rights nor the privileges that have been endowed to you by your heavenly creator since before you were born also when you have that taken away from you you no longer have any rights as a human being as a citizen of the united states of america because you are just or of the an world. object yeah or of the world because you are it, just an object yeah exactly okay that's what i was trying to get at i, I was trying to get that point across yes. and you explained it so well because i hadn't even I haven't, I hadn't even completely, um, you had figured that out before I did. You had kind of deciphered it. And I mean, I knew, you know, I knew to a point, but then the way that when you had said that, I was like, oh, wow. You know, and and that's another thing too, because we all know, or well, we should know that (laughs) the mass don't protect anybody from anything unless you have like a one of those really expensive masks that filter things out right Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the cloth masks that people are being made to use or the cotton ones that the hospital have or whatever but have you noticed since since covid and and through all of this like i don't know who watch watches the mass singer or some of these other shows you know even all of their dancers you can't see their faces anymore um, they, they're usually completely masked or they have something over their faces or their faces are partially blocked. And it's like that in a lot of these reality type shows, because again, we're being attacked on every single front mm-hmm. because they're trying to dismantle the United States, what it stands for and its constitution 
and they and and if your children are in public school you're going to lose them to this people say i don't know what happened i don't know what happened i don't my son acts this way i i or my daughter acts this way they were such sweet wonderful kids until i until they started to go to school Mm-hmm. They're being lied to and indoctrinated every single day of their lives from the time that they're four or five years old. So, um, I mean, the audience knows by now that, you know, I believe in homeschooling and av- advocating for homeschooling and that that that's where the parents need to take control over their students' education. And they can do that. Um, you know, it, it, they say it takes a village. Well, you know, each family, hopefully, not all families, you know, have a village. But then there's also all these villages of of homeschool groups in almost every community that I know of. They're all over the United States. People helping each other more than when, you know, Margaret and I started homeschooling. I don't know how many years you've been homeschooling. I mean, I homeschooled, I think, 13 years. How many years have you been doing it now? I am actually in my 17th or 18th. Wow. Yeah. I saw a pink Yeah. Wow. So I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Fantastic. And they're all still alive. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that is a miracle. No. <laughs> no, it, it's been an adventure. I'm uh I'm a lot more I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. I've matured a lot. I'm a lot more laid back. But just because I'm more laid back doesn't mean I'm not as passionate about it. If not, I'm even more so and more of an advocate for it. And uh, and I've slowly been having conversations with my three older kids about, hey, whenever you guys start having children mm-hmm. yourself, what do you guys think about homeschooling? And then I just leave it at that. I've even had one child of mine tell me that they already have it set in their head that once they start having kids that grandma is going to come over and homeschool their kids and i'm like <laughs> we need to have a talk because <laughs> if well it grandma looks a lot different doesn't it yeah. doesn't it look a oh, lot yeah. different than when we started we didn't have all the resources when we started that we do now oh yeah and a lot of that is thanks to new heights as well i mean we've all benefited from the creation of our creation and then you know of helping people and other people's families and then you know light bulb moments and and stuff like that so there's really no reason to be fearful of it you know anymore because of the the things that are out there um, through us and through private communities that are coming together to to help to help each other so Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I know um, a really good site, if you're really considering that and considering everything we've shared with you today, there's a site called Homeschool World. And let me just go to it real quick so I can kind of guide you a little bit. Um, hold on a second. It's probably pretty, pretty much the last thing we can share about at our hour. Um, well, maybe I can't get into it right now. But anyways, if you go to if you go to homeschoolworld.com, and then they have um, group. I, I don't know if they call it groups or homeschool groups or how they worded it, but it's pretty easy to find. And then you just choose your state, and it will list every homeschool group in your state and where they're located. So it's That's a really cool. great resource to have. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. They have a lot of other things too. And homeschool groups or organizations like ours, we've listed our events and recognition days and stuff on there before. So if they're having any kind of gatherings, they usually will list them on there. So it's a really great resource to have if you, the audience would like to check it out. Okay. Uh, any uh, final th thoughts or final words or anything you'd like to share with the audience before we end today's show? Um, yeah, since we were talking originally on uh, critical race theory, and I had mentioned uh, a little while ago how uh, they're wanting to utilize this as a way to offset these inequalities and inequities that have in some way, shape, form, or fashion been created by our government, which is actually being ran by individuals and people just like themselves, um, because we're all people. Here's uh, mm -hmm. an example of that and it, pertaining to critical race theory. Um, okay. Critical race theory, you know, a lot of people, if you're learning about it, uh, you, you have these little buzzwords of, equity and a lot of people think okay well equity is like equality uh no those two words are completely different from each other and mean two completely different things and uh to the individuals who firmly believe in critical race theory to them equality represents a mere non-discrimination and provides camouflage for white supremacy, patriarchy, and more oppression. And in contrast, e equity as defined and promoted by critical race theorists is a little more than a reformulated version of Marxism. And this isn't just me saying this. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Cheryl Harris. She is a, C or a UCLA law professor and a critical race theorist. She herself has proposed suspending private property rights, seizing personal land and wealth, and redistributing them along racial lines. Redistribution of wealth. Um, one of the reasons why the foundation of critical race theory was so confusing for me was because you have all these names, all these individuals who are being espoused as gurus and um, in charge of, and that's because critical race theory isn't being ran just by one individual. 
um, one of the names that has brought critical race theory to the current modern forefront is an individual by the name of Abram X. Kendi. And he's considered a critical race guru who directs the Center for Anti-Racist Research at Boston University. And he has proposed the creation of a federal department of anti-racism. That this department oh. would be independent, meaning it would not be accountable to no one. And it would be independent to all of the elected branches of our current government. And it would have the power to nullify, veto, or abolish any law at any level of government and curtail the speech of all political leaders and others who are deemed insufficiently anti-racist. And wow. in order to be truly anti-racist, you also have to be truly anti-capitalist. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you say that you're not racist, that in their eyes, especially to Mr. Kendi, that means exhibit A, you are a racist. <laughs> wow. That's an example of what I was kind of hitting at before. From the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And that actually, I read from that article uh, that I sent you that was uh, written for Hillsdale College. I sent you the link. I wonder if that's on our site. I couldn't open that, but I, I get the mailings. Um, I wonder if it's on their website. I, I'm sure it probably is. Yeah, if anybody wants to check out, is it Hills? I think it's hillsdale.com, right? Mm -hmm. um, Hillsdale, or is it Hillsdale EDU? Hold on a minute. Yeah, Okay, so yeah, if somebody wants to go on Hillsdale College, they're doing fantastic work. I mean, they're one of the only colleges in the U.S. that take no government funding, and they're teaching the true history of our country. And they offer all of those classes through our site for free. Um, but you can go on hillsdale.edu to learn more. And I'm pretty sure they have a search engine. You could just type in, you know, um, any keywords like the critical race theory or whatever you're looking for. Hopefully they'll do a course on it soon. They, they've really done some, some great courses recently. Um, I, I don't know if you're up on those yourself, but um, well, they've the always that... offered an mm -hmm. amazing um, constitution mm -hmm. course, um, and they yes. have offered those for free for years to yes. educate, to, to help educate the American population about what exactly is the United States Constitution about. Um, I know one of the courses that they've just recently, I would say within the last year to two years, have come up with to try and combat critical race theory is yeah. actually, um, I think it's called the 1776 course. I could be wrong. Could be. 
I'm trying and to I, find it myself. Yeah. There's a long list, and they just came out with some as well. Um, hold on a second. It's under our discounted and free online courses on um, our learning annex. And they, there's a lot. I mean, it, it's just exploded. Hold on a minute. Um, kind of hard with. Okay, let's see here. They have uh, the presidency and the constitution, constitution 101. Constitution 201, Introduction of the Constitution, Constitutionalism, History 101, um, History 102, um, uh, Winston Churchill and Statementship, yeah, the Federalist, Federalist Papers, the American Founding, Progressivism, Progressive, I know I'm trying to say, and Administrative State. Politics and political reform, culture and religion, foreign policy, U.S. Supreme Court, American heritage, Jerusalem, Athens and study of history, freaking fantastic, the great American story, introduction to Western philosophy and the Genesis story, reading biblical narratives. And um, I think, I'm not sure which one was there later. I think it may be. I know they just came out with one. I'm not sure which is their newest, but um, um, they continually yeah, the work on. Yeah, that 1776, hmm. it's actually a curriculum. It's the 1776 curriculum that Hillsdale College actually put together last year for K through 12. And you can participate in that, whether you go to public school or uh, mm -hmm. uh, true online school or your homeschool you can do that and they they put this together uh, to teach middle school high school kids even young kids in grade school on topics of American history politics and civics to help combat uh, what is being spewed through first common core, but especially now with critical race theory. Yeah, and, and they're doing some really great work, like I said, and um, yeah, check out their site. Anybody from anywhere can take their course. I do think they provide a certificate of completion that the student can print off after each one. I think a student told me that he had gotten one for his latest. So I don't know if they've always been doing that um, or if it's a newer thing, but anyways, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, Margaret, for joining us and for sharing your knowledge and on critical race theory. I've been wanting to do this for a while now. Sure, yeah, thank you for having me. Yep. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.